In the Gospel we read, He said, Give place, for the girl is not dead but sleepeth. And he went in and took her by the hand, and the maid arose. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Saint Didicus, today's saint, a mere lay brother of the Franciscan order, died pressing a crucifix to his heart and repeating the words of Good Friday, Dulce lignum, dulce ferum, dulce pondus sustinet. Precious the wood, precious are the nails, precious the weight they bear. Only a soul filled with faith and hope, looking beyond the grave, seeing its true destiny, can at the same time look at the cross as not foolishness or a stumbling block as it was to so many, but as something precious and sweet. Once it is falsely believed that the whole purpose, the whole destiny of man is limited to this side of the grave, the earth, that life ends there at the grave, then there is no happiness in this world except people will always try to find it in material pleasures. And if you've ever witnessed the death of a loved one or a friend, you know how quickly all of those material things fade away. Let us eat and drink, they say, for tomorrow we shall die. St. Paul put it a better, in a better way. Remember, he was, in today's epistle, he was preaching to Christians who professed themselves outwardly to be Christians. They called themselves that, yet they often sought the, their own ease and comfort in material things. And he said to them, Many walk, of whom I told you often and now tell you weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is perdition, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. St. John Chrysostom, when he was explaining these words, said, Nothing is so incongruous in a Christian as to seek ease and rest, and to be engrossed with the present life is foreign to our profession in the Christian faith. Thy master, he continues, was crucified, and dost thou seek ease? Thy master was pierced with nails, and dost thou live delicately? Language such as this, about imitating the crucified one, makes absolutely no sense at all, unless, of course, there be a future resurrection and a future life which was, by the way, one of St. Paul's favorite themes to speak about in his sermons. And so in his epistle, after telling us to avoid all of those earthly pleasures, he then tells us why we should, what should motivate us to do this. And he says, For our conversation is in heaven, 
from whence also we look for the Savior who will reform the body of our lowness, made like to the body of his glory. And he says, so stand fast in the Lord. But the gospel today gives us a sign, a proof of our future resurrection. It's a beautiful incident. A man, Jairus is his name, he was a sort of parish priest, if you will, in the synagogue. He sees our Lord coming, he falls at his feet, because he had seen and heard that so many sick people in Capernaum had been healed merely by the touch of our Lord's hand. And so he hoped, this man did, that Christ would do the same for his 12-year-old daughter who was near death. He begged our Lord, come down now, lay your hands upon her that she may be healed. And our Lord, he was sitting there teaching to a crowd of people. He immediately got up, thus showing the quickness and the speed with which our Lord wants us to go and help those who are afflicted. But once he got up, he proceeded rather slowly along the road. Why, he even stopped to have a conversation with the woman with the issue of blood. She had reached out and touched the hem of his garment, and our Lord turned around and began a conversation with her. Meanwhile, during that time, during that journey, the daughter of Jairus had died. And that was the whole purpose why our Lord took his time to allow her to die. It might seem cruel at first, and imagine if you were Jairus, you were so anxious about your child dying, and yet our Lord is just taking his good old time getting there. Well, we've always got to trust our Lord's plan. He's always got one for us. But our Lord, rather Jairus, must have been quite concerned about all of this. Well, he did this, our Lord did, so that there would be clear proof that the girl had died and that shortly she would have a true resurrection back to life. When our Lord arrived at the house, it was a sad scene. There was a great crowd of people there mourning this little girl. It says that the minstrels were there. They are hired men who come in and help, to help mourn the death of someone else's family or relative. They were playing, it on this occasion, flutes because it was a little girl who had died. Well, our Lord approaches the little girl saying, she is not dead. She only sleeps. Now, the reason this is said, one commentator mentions, is because that girl's judgment had not yet taken place. It was suspended by God because it was his will to bring her back to life. And, but going back to what our Lord said, she is not dead, she merely sleeps. Our Lord is showing us by those very words that it was just as easy for him to raise the dead back to life 
as it is for him to awaken a man out of a light sleep. But the bystanders in the room, they wouldn't believe that. They laughed at him. They mocked him to scorn, it says. And so our Lord put them out of the room. He took them out and he left them out. They were not worthy to witness such a miracle as the resurrection, for they had mocked the very one who would bring about the resurrection. And so, once the crowd was removed, the girl's parents, along with Peter, James, and John, were allowed to remain. And our Lord reached down to this little girl, took the hand of this corpse. One author says, he seized it, he conquered it, and by a simple act, raises her back to life. As St. John says, For as the Father raises up the dead, even so the Son giveth life to whom he will. Our Lord, think of it, raised her from the dead just as easily as if she had been sleeping. Such is the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. I think the moral of the, this incident in the Gospel is this that viewed in the light of our resurrection, we should not fear the cross, nor sufferings, nor even death. The future resurrection makes the cross make sense. We're not bearing our crosses in vain anymore when we truly have hope in a future life. And death, when it's present in our life, and loved ones die, well, when Christ is present, that death is a mere sleep, a slumber from which Christ will awaken us, as it says so sweetly in the preface at a Requiem Mass, for thy faithful, O Lord, life is not taken away, it is only changed. But what about you, I'm talking to each one of you individually, those crosses in your life, those temptations or trials, I, the, the big ones that seem to pile one on top of the other and never stop, or the little ones that are just frustrating, a gloomy day or being around someone who himself is gloomy. These crosses that you bear and these voluntary sacrifices you offer up to God, they are no longer foolishness or stumbling blocks if you remember this fact that you one day will be raised from the dead. This very body that you possess now will rise from the grave. That day will come. It's not make-believe. You will ra be raised from the dead. St. Paul says that in an instant, in the twinkling of an eye, the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised. Then will the saying of Scripture be fulfilled, death has swallowed up, death is swallowed up in victory. And 
as he so famously says, O death, where is thy sting? O death, where is thy victory? Again, this very body that you possess now will one day be raised from the grave and will share in your eternal destiny. But finally, without this doctrine of the resurrection, suffering patiently makes no sense, not at all. En enduring crosses, overcoming your evil inclinations, trying to practice virtue, would all be utterly stupid without the doctrine of the resurrection. And those martyrs who shed their, their blood for Christ would have only been, as one author did put it, troublemakers and freaks. So this thought, this belief, this doctrine, this hope is what gave the saints courage. It is what gave Job courage in the Old Testament to bear his cross as he sat there that day on his dunghill, wasting away with illness. He had lost his family, his property, everything. He could still say with a patient and a meek demeanor, I know that my Redeemer lives, whom I myself shall see. My own eyes, not another's, shall behold him. So take that cross, don't fear it, but like St. Didicus, embrace it, kiss it, bear it with patience. Be, as St. Louis de Montfort says, a friend of the Holy Cross, not an enemy, for one day you, you yourself will be raised from the dead. And then all that suffering and all that misery, it will all finally make sense. May God bless you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.